Welcome to College Unbound, the weekly podcast by Focus Collegiate, dedicated to diverse learning in the college environment. Thanks for joining us. This is Jane Taylor here with Focus Collegiate founder Grant Liebersberger. This week, our topic is the acquisition of life skills. Many parents and school counselors, for that matter, keep their focus on academic skills, but this is just part of the picture. Research shows that how students use information to solve real-life problems, manage their daily lives, and the type of learner they are, are better indicators for success than their cognitive skills. Just like SAT scores are poor predictors of happiness or professional success, better predictors are problem solving, social literacy, emotional literacy, these kinds of things. The healthy development of good life skills and having a community or an affinity group are significant contributors to good academics. These are all interrelated and interdependent. Last week, Grant and I were talking off camera about this topic and how these subjects are interrelated. And he said very succinctly, everything impacts everything. <laughs> it's a good place to start, Grant. How do, how do neurotypical students learn important life skills? Typically, many, many students come to the table by the time they reach college with a basket of life skills that they've, you know, that they've relied on and has worked for them. When we talk about life skills, oftentimes we revert to, you know, ADLs or activities of daily living. And for the most part, our focus collegiate students or college bound students have mastered a lot of those activities of daily living. You're usually talking about a cognitively impaired person when you start talking about those things. So the challenge is how do we have students who know, at least in theory, how these life skills should play themselves out on campus and how do we get them to utilize them with a level of frequency that is going to benefit them? I think Every young person comes to the collegiate experience thinking that they can, well, a lot of our students anyway, think that, you know, there's just some kind of magic to it. I arrive on campus and then all of my history just kind of falls away and I've just become this, you know, totally different person. And the reality is not so much. Uh, Usually students are contending with the very similar things that they contended with in, in high school. And so our challenge is to get the student to utilize those life skills that we know and they know will benefit them with some regularity so that it becomes habit and routine. And oftentimes, once we help a student establish a habit and good routines, it's kind of like a muscle, you know, you have to like exercise that muscle because there is in fact a biological basis for some of this. Uh, A lot of this decision-making and self-discipline, and I don't want to get too heady here, but occurs in the ventral medial prefrontal cortex. And it's a part of the brain that you have to exercise in order for it to cloud out all the other impulsive judgments that you might make that aren't necessarily going to be in your best interest if you thought Mm -hmm. about them long enough. So our job is to help students 
apply what life skills they already know into the college setting, which is quite novel for them. They haven't been there before. They don't know what they don't know. And how can we onboard them in such a way for them to feel like this is actually relevant (laughs) for them? Because a young adult doesn't do much if they don't think that it's relevant to them until it's oftentimes too late. So we are oftentimes finding ourselves working with these young adults on the self-discipline and the kind of exercising of this cortex in order to be able to rely on it in the moments with which there are significant distractions. And the focus, if you can follow along with me of this, is a significant pillar of what we call executive functions. And so Mm -hmm. if you are able to focus, oftentimes your executive functions have to be in place in order for that to work, which means some kind of combination of working memory, impulse control, cognitive flexibility. These are the things that allow one to focus and also be master of their executive functions. And so without any of that, just having life skills is kind of irrelevant. It's the deploying of the life skills in a way that's going to be useful is the, is what we find ourselves working on with our students the most. Can we go back for a second to the prefrontal cortex and self-discipline, how these two work together? I'm asking because neurotypical adults are struggling with this every day. You know, if you look online on social media, there are thousands of ways to learn new habits, break old Mm -hmm. habits, lose the COVID-19, hear all the things that all these different ways that you have to discipline yourself. And we as adults who graduated from college quite a while ago, I still struggle with this kind of self-discipline. Does this, this mean that I can exercise my prefrontal cortex by becoming a focus collegiate student because I will sign up. (laughs) (laughs) If it were only we had the silver bullet. Uh, (laughs) Part of the exercising of this air region of the brain is uh, practicing something that we all know and have probably read about. It's delaying gratification. I think one of the challenges in the modern era, and particularly with students with learning differences or not, is that the capacity for us to distract ourselves and not delay gratification is one of the greatest impediments to getting things done. And so by engaging our students on that level and having them just wait out the urge, (laughs) some people call it urge surfing, in order to get, you know, to get, to get back to the pivoting to what matters is the mechanism by which we have students focus back on the life skill area instead of all the other things that could possibly Mm -hmm. get in their way because the urgency of the moment is what it is. And, and, and again, there is no magical thinking that's going to suddenly have a student who was challenged in certain areas just leave home and land on college campus and not be similarly challenged by the same things. It's, but it's just also a matter of honoring that these students do have some skill, but really our focus is not on the teaching of the, how to use a calendar or how to check your email, but it's the self-discipline to be able to do so even in the context of there being lots of other choices and, mm-hmm. and, and that requires, again, some of the self-discipline techniques, what we refer to 
effectively as self-management techniques in order to be able to focus, frankly, and focus collegiate is a metaphor for virtually everything, uh, to be able to focus on the things that matter, which is having a successful collegiate career and keeping all of the things spinning at the same time, the social integration, these life skills, the academics, and then of course the executive functionings to make it all happen. Oftentimes we say to students, we are working on you and your self-management techniques so that you can learn to hold yourself accountable to the structure that you have created based on your goals or you, what you've told us you want to achieve. So that's the secret sauce of Focus Collegiate in a lot of ways, is that we have the relationship to be able to give that feedback to our students and redirect them in the way until they are capable of having these habits be second nature. Two questions. When you were talking about students utilizing the strengths they already have in terms of Mm self-discipline, it took me right back to intentional change theory. Right. Yeah. And so part of this as well is the work that we do with the students in helping them becoming an an accurate self-assessor of their own capabilities. Mm -hmm. And and that's really, you know, that's the basis of a lot of just decision that where decisions are just made in terms of the student life and their profile. And so by understanding what their strengths and relative weaknesses are and creating a learning agenda, we have up the student's game in, in their ability to accurately assess their surroundings. And so therefore they will make better decisions oftentimes because we don't necessarily need to build on things that are irrelevant just because they're weaknesses. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. so we're, right, we're, right. we're kind of all about shortcuts and we're all about, um, you know, helping students get to where, because as adults or even, you know, people in society, we all rely on shortcuts. We don't, automatically go to the thing that we're the worst at and just work on it until we, you know, nobody has the willpower, frankly. And that's another, you know, another challenge for some of our students is being able to sustain the effort around some of this stuff. And so we have to pick and choose what we're, what we're choosing to work on with the student, because there's only so much in that bucket that we can tap until a student is kind of tapped out, if you will. And so we have to focus on, and part of that is, okay, so what is a student aware of and how can we get them to experiment with new behaviors and new implementations and new habits? And how much time do we have before they run out of gas? That's the cosmology of stuff that we're working on every day. And it's, it's why it's a little bit more complicated when I say secret sauce, it's not so easy, but at the same time, at the same time, the, the recipe is not rocket science either. It's simple, but it's not easy. Right. Yeah. Tell me about the self-management techniques. What self-management techniques are focused collegiate students learning? Again, it's more of trying to figure out what a student's goal is first. Without that, it's hard to help a student knuckle down on things they perceive are irrelevant. I think we've had this conversation before. Yeah. So if, if a student understands that this in this moment, this calculus homework relates to the fact that they want to be an engineer, and even if they hate it, they're going to do it because that makes it relevant, then that is a self-management technique in its own right. However, the additional, and this is, I think we all do this, but I, I haven't 
I'm not a scientist, but uh, on in this area, but maybe we can dial up Angela Duxworth. Um, is that mo- for most of us, we we try to incentivize ourselves by holding the carrot out and then rewarding ourselves with it when we've done the task. And so for me, a self-management technique might be, I get to have a cookie after I complete my 5k on the treadmill and I don't get to have a cookie before then. And I manage that in my own life. And that's how I get to my goals. Mm-hmm. We work with each individual student on figuring out what their carrot is and then try to help them utilize that to not only delay gratification, <laughs> but but keep the f- short-term focus in mind in favor of the long goal where they can actually uh, reward themselves. And that is a pretty effective self-management technique as long as you have the habit and routine of utilizing it. How do you remind them of the carrot? Once you once you establish together the goal, and this student isn't working in a vacuum, they're working with you or the mm-hmm. staff. And so here are the goals. How do you remind them of the goals? How do you re-emphasize the carrot? It could be any number of things. If we're far enough along in the conversation, a quick text message, as long as the student has a trusting and resonant relationship with us and is willing to kind of say, I'm struggling with this and say this upstream, we'll just say to the, to to the staff, it could be as quick as a quick text message of, Hey, do you remember blank? And Mm -hmm. that's one, that's the quickest way. Sometimes stress really gets in the way of a lot of this process. And so oftentimes we have to help our students remember of some of their distress tolerance techniques because they can't see the self-management model that they've put into place until they've de-stressed, until the cortisol is down. And so sometimes it's about reminding students of their distress tolerance skills and then helping them remember that they set this goal for themselves and the reward is there. But it's really hard to see if if a student's mind is is, is under, you know, is, is under a lot of stress. And so sometimes it's that, sometimes it's a more of a longer conversation. Some students end up with the awareness of you know what, I just, can we just schedule a half hour meeting before my exam? Because I just need to talk with somebody and not focus on the material <laughs> because otherwise I'm just, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be anxious and that's, and I'm, then I'm going to go into the exam and it's going to be a problem. And so wow. bang, that's a, fun, that's a functional self-management technique. I need to distract myself a half hour before the exam. Otherwise I go in there anxious and I freeze. So yeah. It can take all kinds of different ways and it's different for every student because some of some students learn very linearly, some students learn auditorily. I mean, we're talking about, you know, the seven intelligences if you're into that, uh, but we can uh, of learning, but we can also talk about what the biology says, what the, you know, the neuropsychological reports say, what the, you know, what the student has identified as their areas of strength. It's all up for discussion and the reality is without the relationship and without someone who understands how this iterative process works, a student could be just repeating the same cycle and over and over again and not. Yeah. So there's this degree of self-awareness that a student has to have, but in the secret sauce on top of that self-awareness is the focus collegiate counselor, staff members, awareness of that person's awareness of themselves. 
it all comes back to the resonant relationship because Focus Collegiate knows this student so well. We know that there's a test coming up. And so that self-awareness, I think, is even further empowered by recognition yeah. from the Focus Collegiate staff. You're right. And, and it makes it a more efficient model because, again, back to what I said, students only have a limited amount in the bucket <laughs> to be able to have the energy to talk about all of this stuff. And so if mm-hmm. you don't do it quickly because you don't have a relationship uh, or you do it quickly because you do have a relationship, you don't have to expend a lot of that energy and that willpower, reserve willpower in order to help redirect the student in a way that, again, they, towards their goals that they articulated. So, mm-hmm. you know, being able to utilize as much that is in that bucket as efficiently as possible is you know, part of the reason why that is, is possible is because of the understanding of the student and you don't waste time. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. Whenever we get back to the intentional change theory and resonant relationships, I just want to be a student again. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun to watch, uh, especially in this era of students contemplating going back to in-person learning and, uh, and getting, and, and especially our freshmen who are the majority of our students who are leaving their high school hybrid models and thinking mm-hmm. about being on campus. There's a lot of real excitement and energy out there. Uh, as we are here, here we are in April or late March and students are getting all, a lot of them are getting their acceptance letters and trying to figure out what to do. And it's a wonderful conversation to be having with these students because the possibilities are, they're endless. Well, next time let's talk about transitioning to in-person. I think that that. would be a wonderful topic. Well, thank you, Grant. Always a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Thanks again.